0: I know what Nate means. I definitely, I'm already have cotton mouth, so got my water. Uh, the title of the lesson this morning is "Real Love." And go on and turn into your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter 13. Figure if we're going to talk about love, we might as well start with the chapter on love. Before we read the Bible, uh, let's uh, let's pray. Father, it's it's so great to be here, and it's great just to be able to be here and uh, feel your love through worship, through your word, feel your love through other people, God. And I pray that this morning, as we're as we're looking into your word, as we're we're examining our hearts, God, I pray that we can really look deep. That you let that your word resounds on our hearts. God, that you take me out of the way as I'm speaking, that it's, it's you that comes across, God, that, that we walk out of here wanting to be more loving towards you and towards others. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Anyways, you guys at 1 Corinthians 13? Verse 1, he says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love is such a big word. It's only four letters, but it's such a big word. And one of the things, I know each one of us do this, we throw this word around a lot. We'll say things like, I love cheesecake. I love football, or sports, or this team. I love my wife. I love you, man. You know, we, we, we say these type of things. And... uh not bagging on that, but when we say it, it, it always means some, something different. You don't love cheesecake the same way that you love your wife, or you shouldn't love cheesecake. You know, and I, I just feel like it's appropriate that we talk about love this morning. First of all, it's Valentine's Day weekend, and um, so, you know, that's just a great time where you get to celebrate, break, celebrate love with that, that special someone. You know, we just had an amazing wedding last night. Just a great celebration of love between Matt and Brittany. That was great. I felt very loved because of the party that they threw for us. I walked away with about, uh, I think it's eight thousand five hundred dollars in in little little cash. It wasn't really mine. It was my mom's. That she said she cleaned up at the poker table, and it wasn't real cash, guys. It was the funny money. So, anyways, but um. You know, another, in other news, if you guys didn't hear, we have a guy that used to be in our singles ministry here. His name is Mike Wenzel. Mike, is, uh, Mike went on the mission field about four years ago to China. His plan was to go for a year. He's still there. And Mike went out there, started a nonprofit organization, uh, built some great relationships. Mike also found himself a girlfriend. And on, well, it was Saturday for him, it was Friday, Valentine's Day for us, Mike got engaged. And I was so encouraged, I got to talk to Mike yesterday, well, when I, Mike called me last night, and I was like, hey Mike, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, he's like, I just got home from church, and I'm like, wow, it's so weird to talk to somebody, and it's the next day for them, you know, this was Saturday night for me. But uh, very excited for Mike. Excited for Mike, uh, Matt, and Brittany. I mean, it, it, love is just in the air. So we got to talk about it. We got to talk about love. And uh, you know, there's so many places in the Bible. There's over 500 scriptures in the Bible that say that have the word love or loved or loves in the NIV Bible at least. There's over 500. I don't know. I don't know the exact number. It was kind of hard to get an exact number, but it's over 500. I can say that with confidence. And So it's like, where do we start? We're not going to read all 500, I promise. But, you know, we started with 1 Corinthians 13. But I think the best place to start is with Jesus. You know, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He said, this is the first greatest commandment. And in case you're wondering, the second one is kind of like it is love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all of the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. The two greatest commandments in the Bible that Jesus says, they're cloaked in one concept. It's love. Love is important. You know, and one of the things that I want to do this morning is help us get back to a biblical love. Because the world doesn't teach a biblical love. You know, the world has, you know, all their different love songs. They have all their different love shows. You know, I'm not, I don't even know all of them. I try to stay away from some of that stuff. But the world is polluted with their own version of love. And the biblical version of love, we just read 1 Corinthians 13. The biblical version of love isn't just a feeling. Uh, there, there is feeling in there, but these are action words. Patience. Kindness perseverance, trust. These are action words. Love is an action word. It's not just a feeling. Anybody ever heard of DC Talk? You guys remember DC Talk? I'm kind of dating myself a little bit. I know the campus hasn't heard of DC Talk or the teens probably. They're like a 90s Christian rap rock group. 1990s, might be 1980s or something anyways. But they had this song out that was called Love is a Verb. And uh, you know, verbs are action words. In case you didn't know that, or in case you forgot, but but it's so true because the society will teach us that love is a feeling, but no, the Bible's version of love is action. You know, and I'm going we're gonna spend most of our time in John chapter uh, John between John 13 and John 17. The reason is I, I love this section of the Bible. This is probably one of my favorite sections in the Bible because. It's just like an extended talk with Jesus. Between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus is in the last hours of his life. And he sits down with them and he's sharing with these men that he spent the last three years training up. And the men that are going to go and continue the church. Jesus is spending this this great time with them and he's having a great talk with them. He begins it by washing their feet. You know, he, he tells them that someone here is going to betray me. He tells Peter that Peter is going to deny him. And then he tells them that the Holy Spirit, there is a Holy Spirit that's coming, but in order for it to come, I have to leave. I mean, Jesus, I mean, can you imagine being in that talk with Jesus? That's kind of an intense discussion. I was like, Jesus, I thought we were just sitting down for a meal here. Here you are washing my feet, you're telling me that Someone's going to betray me. One of us, they're going to betray you. I'm going to, you know, Peter's going to deny you uh, that you're going to leave and we're going to get this this, the spirit. What what are you talking about here, Jesus? Like, I mean, that would be a tough thing to hear. But, you know, John 13 through 17, I want to encourage everyone, after you leave here, go back and read it, because it's just a great window into the heart of Jesus. And the whole time that he's talking, he's, he's, Helping them understand this higher standard of love. And point number one about real love is real love requires obedience. Uh, Go to John chapter 14. We're going to jump around a couple verses here really quick. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. In verse 23, he he says, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. And then in John chapter 15, verse 9, he says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. Love requires obedience. And Jesus, almost like unapologetically, he just says, hey, if you want to show me love, the way to do it is by obeying my commands. And if you've ever wondered... How do I show God love? Here it is. It's plain as day. It's just obey his commands. Now, we, we show love to God his way. And I appreciate this. I appreciate that Jesus actually says this, like, you want to love me? Obey my commands. You know, it's Valentine's Day this weekend. or This weekend is Valentine's Day. Wait, excuse me. This is Valentine's Day weekend. And, and I want to give some free advice uh, to, you know, some of the teens, the campus, some of the singles. That when you have a valentine and you want to encourage them, you, sh- you encourage them, you show them love by the way that they want to be shown love. Correct? You know, I can't tell you what me and LaShana are doing for Valentine's Day because we're actually celebrating it today. Um, We had a, we've had a busy weekend, you know, with the wedding, we had a party, a campus party on Friday night, so we decided the best time to celebrate Valentine's Day is today, and LaShana doesn't know what we're doing, so um, I'm not going to tell you guys, but I can tell you one thing that we're not doing, some things we're not doing, I can tell you we're not going camping. We're not going to a sporting event. We're not going to sit at home and watch Braveheart, and it's not going to happen. Do you know why? Because it would not encourage my wife. She would do those things for me because she loves me, but Valentine's Day, I'm getting to demonstrate my love for her. So guess what we're doing? It's something that she would love. You know, and if you do that for, <laughs> it's a crazy concept, isn't it? But, you know, if we we do that for each other, it shouldn't be surprising to us when God says, hey, this is how I want you to show me love. I need you to obey my commands. That's how you show me love. It's simple, but we can get lost in it sometimes. Sometimes we don't like to acknowledge it because it does have serious implications. Because what it implies is that when you don't obey his commands, you're not showing him love. That's serious implications right there. He says, you need to obey my commands, even the hard commands. Like, love your enemies. That's a tough command. Serve the poor. Sometimes that's a tough one because it requires you to step outside of your comfort zone. Nate felt called to go on the mission field. I mean, when you feel that type of calling, like that's God calling you to do something. It's like, okay, I need to be obedient to this. Using your talents and your abilities to further the kingdom. Repenting of your sins. That is a command. Not always easy, but is a command. And when we repent of our sins, we are demonstrating love to God. Honoring and respecting your parents. Not always fun, not always easy, but it's still a command. Treating the opposite sex with absolute purity. This is a command in the Bible how are we doing at obeying the hard commands? And each one of us have something that's a little harder to us. But how are you doing at obeying the hard commands? Now, I want to talk a little bit about about this idea of obedience, because if you're like me, there's there's like an inner struggle when it comes to obedience and loving God, because in my heart, in my mind, I know that I cannot get to heaven just by doing a bunch of things. I cannot get to heaven by just following all the rules. I know that. So when Jesus calls me to obey all the commands, and that's how you show me love, you guys see this battle that you can have. It's like, well, I want to show you love. I want to obey these commands. But what about the heart, Jesus? What if I don't feel like it? I mean, what if I don't feel like praying? Does it mean I still have to pray? I mean, and this—it's just one of those things that for me, I've got like—I'm a more performance mentality type guy. Like, I feel like the more I do, the the better I am, or the better God looks at me. So I constantly have to remind myself that you know what, God loves me no matter what, no matter who I am, no matter how I'm performing. But I've had to wrestle with this and I know many other people wrestle with this type of concept and and I don't think Jesus wants us to believe that we are saved by just keeping all the commands so what do we do with this when he says obey my commands and that's how you're going to show me love I mean like what do you do with this I think we have to remember that our obedience is an expression of love towards God the motivation behind our obedience is love So if you're having a hard time with obedience towards his commands, where do you start? Well, you start with the greatest commandment. You start with love. You start with checking your heart there. Like, how is my love for God? Because when you really love God, obeying the commands aren't that hard. You know, 1 John 5, 3 says, you know, if you want to show me love, you obey my commands. And my commands are not burdensome. Now, to someone that is just thinking, okay, I just need to perform and perform and perform and obey and obey and obey, they are burdensome. But when you really have a biblical love towards God, when it's all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, the commands aren't burdensome. It's a demonstration of his love, of your love. Just like when I asked Lashana, hey, honey, how can I help around the house? What's going to make you feel encouraged? What's going to make you feel loved? The answer is normally pretty much the same. And it's things I don't like doing. It's taking the trash out. You know, I live in an apartment complex. So taking the trash out, it requires some walking, some journeying. And if you got a lot of trash, then, you know, that's a couple trips. You know, and that's how, you know, I show her love that. You know, and sometimes that's the way it is. You know, the other, I asked her, what else can I do? She said, well, you can unload the dishwasher. Oh okay I can do that. That one's not that bad but the trash one I don't like but you know what I do it that's my chore at our house among others. And you know what I love about you know what I love about Jesus here in verse in uh, verse 11. He says I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He says we're complete when we obey his commands. If we want to have joy, if you want to have joy, we have to stop fighting God, humble ourselves, and obey his commands. First, P- uh, First Peter 5, 5, it says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. It takes humility. And let's be men and women of humility and remember that when we choose not to obey God's commands, we are choosing not to show love to God. Point number two is, love requires loyalty. Verse 12 of John chapter 15, it says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Now, loyalty, I don't know about you, but it's not a word that I hear that often. I work with the college ministry, um, you know, I, I got baptized right uh, as, a, as a single professional. I was uh, working at AT&T. And one of the things that I've learned about the, the newer generation and, and the up-and-coming generation is that they don't, we don't really stick to something for a long time. You know, what I mean, it's like where someone goes to a job and stays there for 35 years and is loyal to that job. We're always searching for the next best thing. And... Um, It's interesting. So so loyalty is one of those words we just don't hear it that often. Does that make sense? I mean, do you guys see that where it's like, man, loyalty, it's one of those words that that we don't see it. But you know what? Loyalty is a big action word. And when Jesus says, love like I've loved, not like Aaron loves, or not like, you know, your, your Bible talk leader loves, he's saying love like I have loved. Imitate my love. He's making a big statement. He raises the bar for each one of us. He's calling us to unrivaled loyalty. And, you know, loyalty, it needs to be more than just a good quality that we see in people. Loyalty needs to become synonymous with the word love. Loyalty, it's unconditional. It means full devotion. Heart, soul, mind, strength. That's loyalty loyalty is sacrificial just like what jesus says there's no greater love than this that someone lay down their life for his friends loyalty is sacrificial you know now loyalty is one of those things that you can't just answer maybe you know in your heart man yeah i'm not being that loyal but the better question is ask some of your friends ask your wife ask your children ask your boss how is my loyalty? That's a tough question to ask, I know. But if we really want to show true love, biblical love, we have to be men and women that are loyal. You want to tell, I, uh, I tell a story about a dog? I love dogs. And dogs, you know, they're man's best friend, and dogs are known for their loyalty, right? It's crazy, but dogs are known for their loyalty. I wish people were known for their loyalty, but dogs are known for their loyalty, so they get the story here. There's a uh, there's a dog in Japan, and um, in January or er, yeah, January of 1924, a professor at a Japanese university decided he wanted to go get a dog, and so he went and got a two month old Akita, and he named the Akita Hachido. Hachido, yes. Um, he called it Hachi for short. If you have Netflix, you've probably seen on Netflix, Hachi on there. Maybe you've watched the movie. This, is not, this movie is based on this, okay, with Richard Gere in it. Akitas, they're, they're large dogs. They weigh about 90 pounds. And Akitas in the dog world are known for their loyalty. So dogs being known for loyalty, now these are known for like being the loyal dogs. And they are loyal to their owners. That's who they're loyal to. Now, Hachi... And his professor, that's what we're going to call him, Hachi, Hachi and his professor, or his master, the professor, had like a routine every day. They would go to the train station where the professor would get on the train and, uh, you know, they'd say their goodbyes. The professor would get on his train, go to work, and Hachi would go back to the house. And then at around 4 o'clock, the professor would come home, and Hachi would be there at the train station, at the gate, Waiting for his master, ready to greet him. I mean, wouldn't that be the best feeling? I mean, you ever been greeted by a dog? I love, I mean, dogs that love you at least. <laughs> you know, it's like you get that dog, they jump up on you, they're happy. Hachi's a 90 pound dog. He probably can put his hands on the guy's shoulders maybe or something like that. I mean, it's just a warm feeling. And you can just imagine they had a great relationship. And they would do this every day. Every day, go to the train station. Hachi would go, and they'd say goodbye. He'd go to work, 4 o'clock, come back. Hachi would be there to greet him. Every day, that was their routine. And, and if, you've ever, if, you, if you have a dog, you know that dogs get on their routines, and when they're on their routines, it's a great thing. And this all happened, and about a year and a half later, in May 1925, it was just like any other day. The professor and Hachi, they, they, they go to the train station, and they say their goodbyes, but then, and then Hachi goes home, and he comes back, and the professor is not there. You see, that day, the professor had suffered from a stroke, and he had died. And so Hachi's at the train station, and no master shows up. Hachi, if you, ge- if you watch this movie, it's a real tearjerker. It's a real te- tearjerker. Um, Hachi like is is sitting there and no master shows up so family starts to they kind of notice this and so they send hachi away to to some family members not too far away but they send him away but hachi he's so loyal to his master that he would break out and then run to the train station and wait and they 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 they, they decide we can't they decided the family members decided we can't keep hachi so maybe we can't keep him over here because he's going to break out we're scared something's going to happen so so maybe let's con- try to get back to somebody that's near the train station. So they they got connected with the gardener, the, the professor's old gardener. And the gardener was willing to take Hachi in. And Hachi, every day, would would have his routine. And he would go to the train station and wait. professor wouldn't come. Every day, he would be disappointed. You know, when this happened, and people started noticing, people that were regulars on the train, they started noticing, they see... Okay, we see Hachi, and we know the professor died. People that kind of knew them and knew about the relationship, they started noticing. And so they started to try to care for Hachi. They would give him food. They would try to love up on him. And then eventually, um, word got around, and a newspaper article was written about him. Word got all the way around Japan because of this newspaper article, and Hachi became like an overnight celebrity in Japan because of his loyalty they actually erected a statue at the train station of an Akita in celebration of Hachi, and Hachi was actually at the ceremony when they put the statue up. You know, but despite everyone's best intentions to take Hachi in, to love up on Hachi, Hachi was loyal to the professor, and he he pretty much lived his entire life as a stray after that. Going to the train station and waiting and being disappointed. He did this for 10 years when he died, and then then he died. I mean, he he did it till the last day of his life. Waited for the professor, waiting to greet him, waiting for him to come home. You know, today the the statue still stands, and it is a symbol of loyalty in Japan. There's a ceremony every year, like I said. There's, a, there's been a couple movies out. There's some movies in Japan. There's a, there's a movie out here in the U.S. And if you go back to Japan, this is actually a very popular meeting spot. People will say, hey, I'll meet you at Hachi. And then they'll get on the train. And there's actually a train terminal, or there's a terminal at the station named after Hachi, Hachito's Terminal. I mean, and it's just cool. It's like this one dog inspired so many people he called so many people higher when it comes to their loyalty you know we can learn something from hachi love requires loyalty it means that we'll be there for each other and for god both in heart and body good times bad times that we won't give up on one another that we won't abandon the church body, that we won't allow relationships with people or allow relationships with God to remain distant and cold. That's loyalty. We'll we'll strive to live out 1 Corinthians 13. We'll strive to be patient. We'll strive to be kind. We'll always protect. We'll always trust. We'll always hope. We'll always persevere. We'll always call each other. We'll always be in each other's lives. We'll always spur one another on to greater things. We'll make time commitments to one another out of a heart that just desires to spend time with each other, not out of an obligation. But that's loyalty. Loyalty is required for love. And point number three is real love requires openness. In John 15... Verse 14, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus tells his disciples, actually, excuse me. Jesus tells his disciples that, hey, you guys are my friends because I'm letting you in on my business. I'm letting you in. Guys, if we want to love, we have to let people in. I have to let people know the, the real us. We have to let God know. We have to let God into our life. You know, I remember before getting married to LaShana, I sat down and we had a talk. I told her all about my shortcomings. I told her things I was embarrassed about. I told her about how I had disappointed God in my life. You know, we we got engaged when uh was 27. I was 27, 28, something like that. And I, and, I would, and I told her just about how I really, like, I hadn't lived a great life up until this point and i kinda said hey i know you know if you want to marry me this is kinda what you're getting here's the issues i'm bringing to the table i got baggage and um... It, and it was hard it was a scary moment to to be that open and that vulnerable and she still accepted me she still said yes we're still married we're still happy <laughs> You know, but what's funny and what, what got me thinking is, you know, I, I, I'll do this for my wife. I'll tell her all of these things about myself and, and let her know about the real me, but sometimes I won't do it with God. I mean, can you guys relate? Sometimes I'll phrase my sentences when I'm talking to God to, to make me sound a little bit better. I'll try to, like, even soften my own personal sins to God, or I won't express my true feelings to God. It's like, and, and the more that I do this, the more I learn how foolish it is to not be completely open with God. And I was reading somewhere, and, and, it, and it really struck me a phrase. Um, he said, you know, the phrase said, God wants you to be open with him. He does not want you to season your wretchedness. And I was like, ooh, that's what I do. I season my wretchedness, and, and, you know, seasoning, I love seasoning, so it really caught my eye. You know, it's like we season raw meat, you know, like seasoning raw meat, that's what it made me think about. But, you know, I learned that it's not a show with God. I can't fool him. He knows who I am. He knows what I am. He knows that my heart gets disgusting, that I'm prideful, that I'm hurtful. Guys, he knows the same thing about you. Okay, I'm talking about me, but you know, you know, this applies to you as well. And when I season my prayers, when I season my wretchedness, you got to write that down because that's like, a, it's like, oh, don't season your wretchedness. When I season them, you know what I'm doing? All I'm trying to do is make myself feel better. You know, God wants true Intimacy. And it comes only when we trust him enough to be fully transparent with him. And remember what we read in the beginning? Love always trusts. You know, I want to challenge everyone to be raw with God in your prayers. Don't season them. Tell God how you really feel. Talk to God like a friend. I appreciate Dave mentioning that earlier. How how Kevin just says, good morning, God. You know what I mean? You know, like, I, I love s- sitting and listening to people that have this type of prayer life. They just talk to God like a friend. That tell God, hey, here's how I'm feeling, God. Here's what I'm upset about. Here's what I love. Here's what I'm like, excited about. But they just, they just lay it all out on the table. You know, real love for God m- means that we, 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 we have found a safe place with him. A place that we can be real and at peace. Now go to 1 John chapter 4 as we close out. 1 John chapter 4 It's one of the smaller books in the back. It's right before 2 John and after Peter. This is the same disciple that wrote the book of John. And in verse 16, and he said, he says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. us. If anyone says, I love God, yet, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You know, the hard part about openness, and when you read this, uh, you know, it really addresses it, is fear. It's one of the biggest things that cripples our openness. And I don't know what your personal fear is. Maybe you got open about something one day and somebody didn't really respond that loving to you. Maybe you got open about something and uh, it was held against you for a long period of time. Maybe you got open about something and you were kind of like shunned. It's like, ooh, don't talk to that guy or that girl. And I don't know, but, you know, we have these experiences that instill fear in us. And, you know, there's, the Bible says there's no fear in biblical love. You know, because love always protects, it always trusts But you know, I wanted to, wanted to ask you guys, what do you, what fears do you have when it comes to openness? And I want to challenge everyone to take a leap of faith in this area. Take a leap of faith this week in your openness with God and with others. If you're on the receiving end of the openness, demonstrate 1 Corinthians 13, please. Because it does make people fear if someone's getting open to you about something love them bible says love covers over a multitude of sins and guys it's a sinner getting open with a sinner okay you might not have that same sin but guess what you do have sin we can't pass that type of judgment on somebody eternal judgment is left up to god and god alone so Openness, I know that there's fear. I feel it myself. I know that other people fear openness sometimes. You know how I know this? Because it's not, that, it's not a big thing. Openness doesn't happen all the time. But guys, love requires openness. We have to let people in. We have to let God in. Let people in. Trust again. And then we'll love again. We, and rely on God's power When it comes to your openness, you know, I read a quote and it said, The only thing we never get enough of is love. And the only thing we never give enough is love. And I was like, Oh, that's a cool quote. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, You know what? We have more love than we know what to do with given to us. Like, God has shown us more love than we will ever deserve. The problem is our demonstration of love itself. It's true, but it's sad, and we can change it. The church has to change it. Jesus says that the world will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. That's how you're going to stand out in the world. That's how you're going to stand out when you leave here and go to your workplaces, by loving other people, by being loyal, by being obedient, by being open. Love requires openness. Let's be motivated by our love for God to obey his commands. Love requires loyalty. We got to get back to loyalty being synonymous with love. And love requires openness. I want to challenge everyone to take a leap of faith this week in their openness. Don't be overcome with fear. Overcome the fear with faith and let God help you with your openness let's go after the biblical definition of love this week. Amen. Let's stand as we close.